Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and driven by an unknown force to podcast for the better, it's Brian Martin. Unknown force is right, man. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? For the better may not be correct, however. Two, <laughs> two things since our last episode last week. First and foremost, when you came up with the title to last week's episode, yeah. Jeffrey's Mom. Yeah. I have had Stacy's mom stuck in my head for the better part of a week. Hell yeah, it's the MILF anthem. <laughs> Thankfully, I can also envision the video at the same time. Otherwise, this would just be, uh, yeah. Stacy's mom in the video, who was that? Some Scandinavian model of some kind. I don't think she was any more famous than that music video. Rachel Hunter. Yeah, I don't know her from anything else. I don't know that she really moved on past uh, maybe, maybe that famous video. Rachel Hunter. Okay, don't go down a rabbit hole here. We've got to... Wait, 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 wait. No, this is the Rachel Hunter, is it? What do I know a Rachel Hunter from? Uh, Mrs. Rod Stewart. Oh, okay. Uh, was it? I'll take your word for that. Is it the same one? How many Rachel Hunters can there be? Probably a lot. Well, that's not all that uncommon. Maybe. I don't know. And secondarily, going back and editing the podcast really had me thinking about car chases. Okay. And yeah. trying to find a movie that's got some really great car chases in it. And my go-to's are, believe it or not, the 2005 Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> All right. Which, the one with the, the MacGuffin is a core sample, <laughs> as I recall. Yes. <laughs> but that movie actually has some really great car chases in it. I don't know if you've actually seen it. It does. But, no, yeah, I did. I have not seen it since it came out, but I did watch it. Yeah. I still go to YouTube to watch some of those car chases. When they shoot that thing into the air on the highway... Oh, you know, yeah. they, sh they shot it off a slingshot. I remember seeing a behind-the-scenes thing. They hooked a car up to a giant slingshot, and it's a real car. They flew that thing into the air. It just makes me laugh every time. Pretty great. And then my other go-to, Baby Driver. Oh, man. So, see, that's, both of these are movies. That's a good one. Both of these movies have negative connotations. You just cannot revisit them anymore. Here's the thing about Baby Driver. Kevin Spacey gets just beat down dead at the end <laughs> so it's kind of okay oh is that right is that a rule that you've come up with or has society decided that it's okay well, to like everybody decides on their own merits yeah you know, like yeah 
it's too good a movie to not it, enjoy. It is, I, it is too but, good of a movie. But yeah, that and of course the big old Confederate flag on the top of that car really makes for a downer. <laughs> yeah, boy. I mean, I guess they kind of got that movie in right under the wire, though. I was going to say 2005 is when that came out and they got away with it. They did address it, as I recall, mm-hmm. yep. that it was up there by mistake. They didn't have it up there. on first. It was just that one. Anyway, this is not a Dukes of Hazard podcast. It is a Quantum Leap podcast. Hey, you guys don't start that writing campaign up yeah. <laughs> and, and, and get to writing letters to 30 Rock, then uh, it may end up being a Dukes of Hazard podcast. We don't know yet. That's true. Have the numbers not improved? Oh, I have no idea. Honestly, yeah. I really think streaming has to play such a big part in it. I don't know. I still feel pretty confident. I'm not sure where all these rumors are coming from, but it's been too good. To... You know, I think that the first season got a renewal before it was finished airing. They went straight into making it. Mm-hmm. And season two production wrapped like three weeks ago. And none of them know if they're renewed yet. Right. So well, I think that's where the trepidation comes from. Well, that and the writer's strike is still affecting everything. You know, shows are just yeah. now coming yeah. out for the fall. And who knows what's going to get renewed because who knows what the new shows are going to do. I think it's too early to start worrying. Not to say you can't write your letters to 30 Rock. Yeah, you definitely write letters. Because here's the worst that could happen. Somebody at 30 Rock sees your letter and thinks, golly, I'm glad we're making a show people like. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, that's, that's the worst that could happen. Fair enough. Yeah, so uh, what, what did how, how are we feeling about this week? <laughs> uh, well, this week's episode is titled The Family Treasure. Right. Written by Shakina. And directed by Jude Wang. Now, Shakina was the writer of the episode Let Them Play in season one. Right. The trans kid on the basketball team. In yeah, and school. I feel like you could have put that together on your own. You I mean, didn't already know. <laughs> you didn't yes. already know. Yeah. Jude Wang previously directed the episode Ben Interrupted. Oh, okay. The Looney Bin episode from season one. Right, right. That episode was pretty good. And in fairness, I think Let Them Play was decent. Oh, no, that was pretty good, right? Because... Right, that was the one where the whole ending, Martinez betrayed him and left him for dead, and he had to claw his way to that car and and lay on the horn to leap, and it was dicey as hell. Yeah, he got stabbed in the neck with a needle. Yeah. 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 The last ten minutes of that episode are real good. I think. Yeah, okay. I'm remembering again. I think a, maybe a little distaste for it after <laughs> the finale sent us back through the uh, insane asylum. Yeah. Did the guy get recommitted into the... <laughs> you know, like, why were they in the... Uh, all right, let's not... We don't have yeah. to revisit that. But yeah, Don't uh, think about it too much. Yeah. So where did God Fader Time leave Ben this week? The year is 1953. Ben has leaped into Nadia Malik in Texas. She's 17 years old, just graduated from finishing school, and has returned home for the reading of her father's will. He has just passed away and has left Nadia and her sisters Sarah and Dina some apparently useless trinkets. (laughs) And they're all a little bit testy about it until Ben drops his trinket and discovers a rolled-up piece of paper inside. And actually, all of the trinkets hide secrets that will lead Sarah, Dina, and Nadia on a quest to Mexico. Hell yeah. (laughs) And possibly a long-lost treasure. Meanwhile, Addison weighs a big decision again. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and the chickens literally come home to roost in the long ignored quantum chip storyline as Rachel's mysterious boss finally makes his presence felt by just showing up, just walking right the fuck in. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait um, to get there. Okay, so I don't know what else to say, Nate, other than the accelerator giveth. And the accelerator taketh away. <laughs> that was my feeling coming out of this episode. Yeah. You know, immediately following the episode, it had a very, yeah, okay. And then the more I thought about it, the less it, I would call this one a disappointment. Overall thoughts. Look, <laughs> I love the LGBTQ community. This is not about that. I consider myself an ally. This episode is not good. Okay. It's just flat out for me, not a good episode. It's like plot contrivance playhouse is what we're watching this week. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're going to be the first to break the ice on that, then... Yeah. I did not like this episode. I'm not going to say there's nothing there, though. There are some... I feel like there's some good moments. I feel like the... Okay. I'll say that the premise... (laughs) The premise to the leap is actually really fun. I agree. Like, if we could have had that episode, that could have been a lot of fun. But they don't give us that episode. Like, the premise is great, and I feel like there's a bait-and-switch in here. And again, I am not coming down on the LGBTQ community by saying this, but... Well, they're going to decide that, aren't they, Brian? (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. I'm going to sound like one of those crazed right-wing radio hosts, but is this episode about a treasure hunt? No, it is not. No. And it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's about finding family anyway. Sure. It wasn't really about... No, the treasure is the family we made along the way, is the (laughs) message of this episode. (laughs) Well, that's fair. Literally the message of this episode. It could be good. The idea of a fractured family that comes together from a treasure hunt laid out by the patriarch. No, I love the concept. I mean, it's been done, but it can be done effectively again in a quantum leap sense like that's what quantum leap has historically done take concepts and put their spin on them that's what we talked about at christmas time yeah yeah so there are pieces there to make something really pretty good but i don't know where to lay a finger of blame necessarily i was listening to one of the podcasts at quantum leap dash owls place.com quantum leap dash owls place.com Fandom Entanglement. I like that name. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. Pretty good name. So I was listening about last week's episode, and they were talking about how the show is too complicated because it's got four competing storylines. Huh. The way they broke it down, they said they've got Ben and Hannah. Ben and Hannah, Ben and Addison, Addison and Tom, and the quantum chip. That's an interesting way to put it. But no, they had it as Ben and Hannah, Addison and Tom... The leaps and the quantum chip. Okay. So all right. And they were saying, well, it's it's awfully complicated, kind of steps all over itself sometimes. And I really did not feel that way. I felt like it was very seamlessly put together with the exception of the quantum chip. Yes, and I felt that way most of the season. Yeah, until this episode. Oh, this episode is a train wreck of those plot lines. Yeah. It really does get split in so many different directions. Like, what story am I watching here? 
it felt very much like a season one episode. It felt like it did feel like a season one episode. And it's not even just what story am I watching? It's when in the season am I watching this? Because Addison's arc in this episode, to me, makes absolutely no sense given her arc over the course of the season. This felt like a step backwards for her. Well, she was looking at it with a new perspective. She reassessed, for sure. It kind of feels like her arc in this episode is like a microcosm of her entire arc. Maybe that's my problem with it. Yeah, it's like, you know, it doesn't feel like we're moving forward. It's like a greatest hits compilation from this season. Just to provide a little bit of context to the listeners, if you're not keeping up with this. In the last episode, we didn't really talk about this, but in the last episode, Tom actually proposed to Addison. She accepted. <laughs> we left that out. We didn't talk about it. At all. <laughs> that's then, that's uh, how much we care about. <laughs> right. We and, left it out. And in this episode, she is at the beginning of it telling Team Quantum Leap, yeah, we're going to rush off to the courthouse and get married. I want all of you guys to be there. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, like, um, who's minding the store while you guys are gone? But Right. <laughs> right. But... It's fine. And well, they can't all be there all the time. There's got to be a secondary crew, right? What's the show they like? Real Housewives comes on. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they all they have can't to... all be there all the time. Yeah, exactly. There's a skeleton crew, like the bridge of the Enterprise in the off hours. Right. Somebody's yeah. got to be up there. Chief O'Brien's in charge or something. By the end of the episode, Tom's pulled some strings at the courthouse and they're ready to go down there and get hitched. And Addison says, you know what? Forget it. Then Tom's like, I guess we're done. And I was like, what What the hell is happening right now? Yeah. It's all very, very sudden. I've got that towards the back of my notes, but if we're going to jump there, does Tom not have a job there? <laughs> oh, we can thought he, he did. Can he, just, he did but... can he just leave? I thought he was in charge of the whole thing. Yeah, I thought like, so he's too. He's just like, I'm heading back to Washington. We need space, so I'm just going to not do my job this is why you don't here. date co-workers. Yeah. This complicates everything. General rules that you're not supposed to be a subordinate to someone you're in a relationship with at most places that you work. But yeah, I was thinking, what do you mean you're you're just you're just leaving? Like aren't you in charge of the Quantum Leap project now? Or yeah. was that always magic? Was he in charge? Like who who I don't know. It really felt stupid. I do believe Tom will be back. This oh, season. yeah. I don't believe he's just leaving, but to even present this moment, it just did not ring true at all. For Tom, it didn't ring true. For Addison, it didn't ring true. Like, none of it felt real to me. I'll say that Tom's reaction felt real. His reaction to it after she says that she needs some space with it, and she's like, well, you don't have to go. And he's like, no, I think I do. That moment... That feels real. That okay. felt more real than, yeah, let's go back to your old job where you work with your ex-fiance all the time and we'll be fine. Okay, that's like, fair. <laughs> that, at the start of the season, I was like, yeah, no, people can't deal with that shit. This that's is, fair. That seems less real to me. And honestly, what Tom says here is, I think, my favorite line from the episode, because Addison when she's breaking it to him, says, I just need some time. And Tom says, this time, does it also include space? You're such a fucking nerd. (laughs) Like, ooh, time and space. Okay, okay. You know, nice little little nod there. So 
Addison says, this isn't just about Ben. He says, you take that time. I think you'll come to a different conclusion. Right. That feels real. That whole exchange, I think. Him just leaving doesn't feel real. <laughs> you can't just not do your job. I think, to be fair, this scene also happens near the very end of the episode, and mm-hmm. I was already really frustrated at that point. Right. So it did not help. <laughs> yeah, revisiting it now as we discuss it, Tom comes off pretty good in that, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Because everybody loves Tom. I mean, I'm on Team Tom now, too. Yeah, everybody you know? loves Tom. Here's one of the things. Okay, so what did I like about this episode? All right, so I'm going to back up say, what did I like? Okay. Caitlin Bassett. Even though I think she makes some weird choices, I like her a lot in this episode. Wait, as an actress? she No, she doesn't make weird choices. Addison makes weird choices. Addison makes weird choices. But I like, I always like Caitlin Bassett. I honestly liked the two sisters. Yeah, um, yeah. Dina and Sarah. I thought that they had a pretty genuine relationship for the most part when we were in the more playful parts of the episode. Where we are... Firmly in this is a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I felt like that was pretty enjoyable, the two of them together. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like a treasure hunt with dad jokes, you know? Oh, I mean, there's a, oh God. Are there dad jokes in here? I made a comment that, like, they're solving clues with all the complexity of the New York Times' connections game. <laughs> and I don't know if you play that daily. I do. Yeah. My mother-in-law introduced me to it, yeah. Some of them are clever, uh, and you're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. And other ones, you're like, come the fuck on, you know? (laughs) And that's what I felt like. This guy's done too many crossword puzzles, and he's just having the time of his life, leaving these breadcrumbs. Yeah, he's doing it for his daughters, too, though. As a dad, I mean... It's like, basically, if Phil Dunphy sent his kids on a treasure hunt (laughs) for Modern Family. But... But if he sent his kids on a treasure hunt where they literally got held at gunpoint. Yeah. So, so, Dad, if you really wanted to just teach them a lesson about family, maybe you could have done that in Texas. Yeah, just a little scavenger hunt around the house. (laughs) But see, that's one of the things. Why did we have to do that? You know, did that make sense? And there's so many things in this episode that just happen. And you're kind of left wondering, oh, that's what we're doing? Oh, that's not what we're doing? Oh, oh, so this is what we're doing. Oh, that's not what we're doing. You know, like, that's how I felt watching this episode. Well, again, the over-the-top treasure hunt to bring family together, that's even one that's orchestrated by the patriarch of the family. It's, we've seen this before. It's, it's and, I mean, it's pretty classic. Yeah. It's like the Goonies or something like that. Right, you know? sure. Or City Slickers or oh, something. that's you a know? good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Legend of Curly's Gold. Right, right. So, you know, it can be done and done effectively and this could have been fun the characters i feel like you said i think are pretty good i think it gets a little derailed in messaging and then yes and then lost in the greater narrative that we don't like the quantum chip stuff i want to save the quantum chip thing for the very end yeah exactly yeah yeah that is going to be the money shot here guys but (laughs) so the beginning of the episode (laughs) money shot (laughs) ben sarah and Dina, who quickly corrects, it's Dean. And I immediately like, ah, of course, there's like a non-binary character in a Shakina episode, right? Of course. And I'm like, if this is all this is, and we have a non-binary character in the 50s, I'm like, okay, sure. We can do this if you want. And that's what it is. We're just seeing representation on screen. Mm-hmm. Cool. It becomes really the 
crux of the episode. They're sitting there. They have the executor, Wells, who is reading the will to them, seems to believe in this treasure. Now, wait a minute. I expected you to pull out of your hat who that lawyer is. Because I know I've seen that guy in like a million things. I don't know. This is the reason why I didn't look into it. Oh. His face rings a bell. But Mr. Quantum Chip is a guy I do know from other things. And so any looking into anything, I just like was like, no, I, I know yeah. who that guy is. Well, so that lawyer kinda... is a I know that face kind of guy. Uh-huh. He's been in probably numerous things that I've seen. And I was thinking at the time, this guy's too big an actor to just, just be, in, this one be scene. in that scene and then done. He's Not actually... that he's a huge actor, but he's one of these people that you bring in for an episode because he's going to play a role. Like Robert Picardo in Leap Die Repeat. Sure. Right? Character actor that we all know from like Voyager, right? From something, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I know that guy from the West Wing. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, this guy isn't only in one scene. He's probably on the West Wing. He's in two scenes and then he's done. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but they're pivotal scenes. Yes, they are pivotal scenes. He is the furthest thing from a pivotal character you get. This is one of the biggest ways this episode rubbed me wrong. Okay. Because Ben and Sarah and Dean go down to Mexico. They immediately go into this cantina where they meet a guy named Ricardo. Because, of course, he's a beautiful man. And he runs the bar that they're in. And when they turn and look, he's gone. He's left the bar he owns to go steal their map to the treasure and start looking for it. The thing that I found strange is how immediately they assumed that he had stolen their map and left. Immediately. And you know, like there's like no other explanation. He couldn't there's have no like, bathroom. said Well, there's no bathrooms the in counter. Mexico. In 1953, there were no bathrooms in Mexico. It's a <laughs> widely known fact. My first thought would have been, Oh, check behind the counter. Maybe he put it down for us, or maybe they got those little hooks. You know the yeah, hooks. Maybe under the bar? A, yeah. yeah, maybe those there's a place where yet. you know. But no, <gasps> he took it. He stole <laughs> the map. If there's a place you gotta get, I can get you there. I bet I'm the map. That guy took our map. <laughs> like all right, but again, 42 minutes. You know, got a lot to squeeze in. Yeah, yeah. He says he thinks the treasure's a hoax, which is another sign that he's probably definitely going to take the map, I guess. I'm the map! Yeah, and I did think it was kind of fun that there have been numerous treasure hunters here. And here's an entire wall of explorers and treasure hunters that have come through this Tantina. And they see a picture of their dad. Yeah, and their dad's up there. And they solve the first riddle by looking at the picture of him standing in front of a well. Yeah. That's cool. I like that stuff, man. You know, and it's like when this is the direction the show is going in, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling this. Right. And so I would say for probably a solid 20 minutes, I was on board with this episode. So they find the well. They go down in the well into the tunnels below. Right. To follow the clues. And who shows up in the tunnels but, of course, Ricardo. Now, Nate, let me tell you what. If it was just Ricardo in those tunnels following them, I think I would have been fine with it. But it's not. It's Wells, the executor, who is working with Ricardo suddenly. Bear in mind, we're only at, like, maybe the 17-minute mark of this episode so far. Right? There has been... If it's later than that, then there have been other subplots we've been following. So as far as the story is concerned, yes, it's still very early in that story arc. There is absolutely nothing that has happened so far 
right. that implied that Wells was out to get this treasure. He's a character we've forgotten even existed at this point. He was such a minor thing at the beginning of the episode. At least I did. I was like, oh, that's the executor guy? Why? What the fuck? You know? At least Ricardo would have been, like, contextually yeah, there. I, but I had a little different response to that. I think that when I saw the executor was there, it made me feel at least that makes more sense why Ricardo would take the map. Becomes a, wow, I, they just had to walk into that cantina at that time, right? The executor was best friends with the dad. Yes. And that was established early. You know, so it's likely that he'd already been on this path once before with the father, possibly. Maybe. None of these things are set in stone, but it kind of felt like he'd been there before and he was working with this guy. Then it made more sense that the guy would steal the map for me. Okay. He shows up just as the last clue has been found and they've gotten the key out of the sham rock. And you know what? The shot of Sarah reaching into the gap in the wall to retrieve mm-hmm. the key. Great shot. Yeah. I, I singled that and I was like, that is a really good shot. The problem is you can single it out it's because a good the shot. rest of it's so mundane that it's it like, is. Oh, I was creative here. Yeah. So it sticks out almost like a sore thumb. Absolutely. But. You know, we go back to, Oh, ye of little faith as being an episode where the whole episode, really had a sort of artistic aesthetic that was unfamiliar to us as far as the series goes. Right. And so it really worked within that one episode because everything you're seeing is very dynamic and engaging. And then in this episode, you get that one shot and it really does, you know, it just stands out. It's like, Oh, wow. That was very, Oh, okay. Now we're back to just rocks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I did note at this point in the adventure that Dean is the Marion Ravenwood of this adventure and Sarah is the Willie Scott. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm going to assume you listeners know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, then God help you. (laughs) So back to Wells. Okay. Wells shows up, holds them at gunpoint, blows Ricardo away. That's the first thing. I'm like, I was like, what the fuck? This guy's like a fucking lawyer. And then I was thinking like what does this show have against lawyers like the last two weeks both lawyers have proudly declared i'm a liar (laughs) (laughs) and they've also both fired guns at people (laughs) yeah one of the episodes worked a lot better than the other this one i was like good night why did he just kill ricardo why isn't he killing the three sisters and then there's a cave-in and he's i guess dead (laughs) (laughs) and that was the point when wells was just laying on the floor unconscious i was like oh okay and then when he didn't come back later i was like i don't think i like this episode like that was it he was dispatched he he did get a rock to the throat (laughs) he's an adventure villain he should be able to take that a fastball to the throat (laughs) yeah dean really clocked him there well then this goes to commercial during the the, uh cave-in and then i saw a trailer for madam webb (laughs) and then i was like really just fuck this that also didn't help the trailer for madam webb showing up in the middle of the episode also probably didn't help my opinion of this episode (laughs) you know this is the week that i wanted to cover necessary roughness because of the super bowl Oh, man. Oh, that would have been good. It just didn't work out with the scheduling. For some reason, they decided to bring their show back right in February. 
Oh, but I was like, oh, yeah, right around Super Bowl time, we're going to cover Necessary Roughness with <laughs> Scott Bakula. Yeah. But, no, here we are with Family Treasure. Yeah. That's that's all right. I it, will tell you, okay, Nate, the longer we talk about this, the less emphatically I dislike it. Yeah. I will say that. My opinion of it is not as low as it was coming into this. I still don't like it, but I'm not aggressively upset with it. (laughs) You know what I was thinking uh, this afternoon when I was reflecting on this episode? I don't think this episode is better than The Time Traveler's Wife. (laughs) I think Time Traveler's Wife is better than this. Um... That's going to be my barometer now. It's not weighing episodes against <laughs> each other. It's not figuring out where I rank it in the season. It's like, was it better or worse than The Time Traveler's Wife? Well, parts of it. Parts of it are better. So far, we're still kind of covering the stuff that the The good sort stuff. Of works. The stuff that, yeah, the sort stuff of that works. mostly works. Yeah. The treasure hunt aspect. Mm-hmm. And even as we conclude that, they find that church turn the key and they find the empty treasure chest inside mm-hmm. and the gears that start, a, I don't know, a minor flood. <laughs> like the lamest booby trap ever. It is, it's a really lame booby trap, folks. Yeah. It's like you fill a bucket with water and like prop it up on a door so whoever walked through the door, the bucket <laughs> would fall on. That is essentially what we're talking about with the booby trap. Yeah, it's supposed to open a dam and just like overrun the church with water. It turns out to be like a creek. As they're trying to take cover from the water, they hunker down behind a small rock directly in the path of the creek. Of the water. Yeah. And just sort of ride it out and get drenched. And there's like a, there's a bank literally three feet away. You could have stayed in the church for Christ's sake. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, father. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of fathers, you're going to. You're trying to drown your daughters? (laughs) Yeah. They get there, and it's a note from the dad. He had obviously been there. It was all a ruse to get them to work together as a family. And then there's a deathly booby trap at the end? (laughs) Like a deadly booby trap at the end. It Was it just supposed to scare them, and it was never going to be dangerous? Or is this like a false trap? Like, what? I don't know. I don't know. And here's another thing about Wells. Before I move on from Wells, because this was the point in the episode where I was like, so Wells isn't coming back, huh? I thought we'd see him at the end, at the big climax, you know, and he would get washed away. That's what would have happened in an Indiana Jones movie. Right. But could Wells not have just falsified the will, taken the trinkets for himself, busted them open and found the treasure map and just done all this on his own? I mean, not if you wanted a show to happen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's even revealed that he knew the trinkets were in there. He knew the map was in the trinkets. And that's why he made Ben drop the ship in the bottle. Yeah. Because he knew they were in there. Which means the father must have had this conversation with him. Is like, I'm going to set a treasure hunt for my daughters. Oh boy, this is going to be a good one. So he's a dirty lawyer, but he's not a wholly unscrupulous lawyer because he still did his job. I guess. (laughs) Especially when you're a litigious type person, you find ways to live with your own shortcomings, I guess. Well, I don't want to get off this treasure hunt part without mentioning the skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I'm not mistaken, that happens right at commercial break, too. It does. they, They, like, run into this skeleton, 
that's just leaning up against the wall or something. Yeah, it's just like a dude just gave up. <laughs> he stayed. A he dude like... stayed in the well, gave the fuck up, and just rotted there. He's <laughs> not even trapped. He's just like leaning against the wall. No, it was like this that is... skeleton on uh, Craig Ferguson. You know, that yeah. one that was like the... I know. It's, it cracked me up to no end when they came back and it was like, oh, that was really supposed to be scary. It's just a skeleton <laughs> just like on the wall propped up and all the bones are still hanging together by what means exactly? Hey, uh, again, they flushed the budget on that Egypt episode, man. I mean, it really is like they went to Spirit of Halloween and bought a fake thing and just leaned it up against something. That's not how skeletons work. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a, it could just come to life and start walking around. It's all articulated and just leaning there. And if you're dead and you're leaning up against the wall and finally die, just think of how that had to have happened. <laughs> This is, this like is my aspiration, against, my life's aspiration now. It's just you end lean up, up against like the wall, you die, your body doesn't topple over, and it rests there against the wall long enough to decompose to the point of being a skeleton. All just leaning up against the wall. Yeah, the only thing that would have been better what? was if it was holding like a mug or like had a cigarette hanging out of its mouth, <laughs> you know? It, like something. <laughs> There's something more to personify. To say nothing of the fact of that poor guy, evidently there's just a way out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I just... had to rewind it because I looked away and Addison comes out and says, hey, I found an exit. Yeah. And then I looked up. I was like, oh, did she walk through the wall? Because I was like, maybe she finally walked through the wall. And I was like, oh, no, she just walked through a through huge ass opening in the cave. <laughs> yeah. The implication is that it was a long path because how could you have possibly felt the breeze from that far away so right you know yeah. we're, we're talking about tv time here but still that poor sap just leaned himself up against the wall and died he could have just walked down the hall i love how ben skirts some of the questions that sarah and dean have in this episode by saying oh i learned uh spanish, spanish. in finishing school um oh i feel a light breeze coming through the causeway all of those things yeah, what do you learn at finishing school? I thought you had to walk around with a book on your head. I wish that he had just taken down Wells with some jujitsu and shit, and yeah, then he could like have said, the same finishing Beckett. school. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how you write an action scene, guys. Yeah. You need a punchline. Sam Beckett roundhouse. Yeah. Oh, man. That's what we could do. So so the box with the uh, false bottom in it, they just find a note underneath that is from Dad. And said that, that <laughs> being at the end of the journey made him realize how lonely he was and how much he had squandered his time with his family while he was looking for treasure. And he says literally that the real treasure is at home with family. And I put in my notes, boo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, come on, episode. And that was where I started <laughs> thinking, like, we just went through all of that so you could teach them a lesson about being together, they almost died repeatedly. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think that he could have known that. He's and been to Mexico. He knows how dangerous it is. To be fair, and I think it's Ben that makes this point, if he had just said all the things that he wanted to say, it would have fallen on deaf ears. Exactly. They had to live it. 
Yeah. Right. They had to experience it. I just wish they hadn't lived it in like 13 minutes. Yeah. They could have done something with this episode and really allowed things to develop slowly enough that it really felt like the adventure was bringing them together. This show kind of falls back to telling us. Exactly. And it's not even the adventure that brings them together. That's the hardest thing about this episode. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah. The bonding moment comes after they escape from the well. Again, I mentioned at the top when Dina corrects Wells and says, it's Dean, corrects the name. Yeah. We immediately know what's going on here. We, the audience, get this. We know what this character is. About the way they dress, you know, wearing men's jeans and, yeah. So what we get after they get out of the well, Sarah notices a tear in Dean's shirt and notices some bandages underneath. Mm -hmm. Dean then reveals that they've compressed their breasts and are not identifying as a woman. Right. And then there's like five minutes of dialogue about what it means to be non-binary. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I get it. I am not sure this is what you want to do with your time in this episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who are you telling this to? That's what I kept going back to. I believe, and maybe I'm wildly incorrect about this, Mm -hmm. but my feeling is that if you're watching Quantum Leap, you probably lean left because men are constantly wearing women's outfits. And (laughs) one of your main characters is non-binary. Yeah. Right? If this is about representation, we see this every single week here, right? We accept it. The audience that keeps coming back, we get it. We accept it. I think most of our, the audience's favorite character on the show, Ian's up there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not sure this degree of messaging is necessary for us, the audience. Yeah. And it does not feel natural as dialogue among these three characters at all. It feels like the Shekinah episode last season where they go to the support group and they have that scene where the teens are just looking directly into the camera. They're addressing us. That's what this scene felt like. This pulled me completely out of the episode. Yeah, the thing that that I had the hardest time swallowing is how easily this other sister just kind of accepted that. That's another thing. I was like, it happened way too quick. Yeah, this sister who has stuck herself in a terrible marriage because that's what you do. She has convictions on what a family is supposed to look like and... As we learn at the end of this scene, (laughs) this one scene, she's been questioning that all along. But you're led to believe that she's the traditionalist. And if that's the case, then she sure accepted this change, this difference, very easily. With these two individuals who are siblings, in the whole episode, they are antagonizing one another. And in their siblings, that happens. Granted, they also just killed a man. So That's true. <laughs> that, changes, <laughs> like, that changes you. You get hard after that. But the bonding experience would have been hiding the body. And they didn't do that. They just left it there. But that's beside the point. Yeah, it's what not I'm, a body that needs to be hidden, though. No, nobody's going to go there. I mean, look at that skeleton dude down there. You think anybody who goes <laughs> looking for that body's coming back out? No. He's going to be leaning on the wall like it's that like dude. They go back down there in the same episode, and both those guys are now skeletons. <laughs> 
Oh man, missed just, opportunities just <laughs> left and right here. Yeah. But yeah, I think that the episode presents this moment as the thing Sarah has been waiting to hear from Dean. Because this is the thing that finally reconciles everything. It smooths out everything. And Sarah's like, oh, suddenly I understand. Do you, though? It's the 1950s. Yeah. Can you? Even if you're in a world, and I feel like we are in a world where acceptance of these things is at its highest rate ever in history, right? Acceptance right. of the LGBTQ community is at a height. I think that height keeps getting bigger and bigger, fortunately. But even now, it can be hard to quote unquote understand the experience that someone in that community has personally. And I think right. that's why Shakino wants to write an episode like this to help people like you and me, cis white dudes, understand what this experience is like. Right? Sure. Sure. And I don't mind that. But I don't think one, a person in the 1950s is going to accept it that easily. And no. two, I don't think this is the time to completely derail your narrative for our account, right? The audience's account. Because right. Ben goes on this thing that's like the whole they them pronoun thing that he puts forth. And it's like, you can stop. We get it. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, this okay. doesn't feel real and it doesn't feel natural within the context of this episode. That's the thing. OK, that I I 98 percent agree with you. If I had to play devil's advocate, there is a part of me that says it's akin to Sam bringing up terminology that is used in the 90s in the 60s. OK, sure. Especially the Jimmy episode he gets them to stop using the R word. Yes. Okay. You know, and start referring to at least Jimmy as different. You know, I'm not slow. I'm different. And there's hints of that throughout the original series where he's implementing more progressive ideas into a time when they didn't exist. Yeah. So that kind of rang Quantum Leap to me a little bit. And... The language that he uses and the delivery that Raymond Lee gives, it's mm -hmm. good, but there's the other 98% of it, which is like, what story are we telling here? Because and that's my, that's my problem, I think. If this is going to be your story, the non-binary character in the 1950s and bringing that up to the family, that's your story. All yes. this other business... You need the full 42 minutes to make any of this feel organic. You need to focus on that as your story and spend the whole goddamn time building up to it. Because yes. the alternative, which I would prefer to see, is if you're going to do this treasure hunt story, just the obvious representation of that character being there for people that are watching. Which is, is there. More than from, enough. From the word go, we get it. And, and so I'm and that, just like... that would be great. Yes. You know, just to have that character there without... There's room for both really... stories. <laughs> you know? It doesn't even have to be a story. It's just that, as you mentioned, having Ian on every week, they don't focus on that every week. Mm -hmm. Just their representation, the representation of that community on the daily in a normal scenario is far more effective 
in the long run in changing the cultural conversation, I think. And having just had that character there without it fully being addressed, I feel like that could have been pretty effective. It's not like it was lost on anyone. Right. I think maybe a better way to execute this would have been for Dean to dodge Sarah's questioning about the bandages, for Ben to get Dean alone and talk about it and say, you know what? You should try being yourself. And then have the conversation about they, them with Dean. And then at the end of the episode, Dean elects to talk to Sarah about it. And we get that line, are you still my sister? I'm your sibling. I can live with that. And that's when Ben leaps. Right. That's when Ben leaps. That's like an arc, Mm -hmm. right? What we're getting right now is a totally different episode plopped down into the middle of our treasure hunt episode. And as we observe sometimes, we're like, what is this leap about? (laughs) You know, (laughs) Right. And so many moments throughout the adventure that could have caused him to leap. Yeah. The thought was that Dean dies in Mexico and that's why he's there. Yes. Dean originally goes off by themselves right, to Mexico. And so Ben is like, we all got to go together. We got to stick together, right? So it, the episode is about building that unit, preserving it. Right, But right. what really hobbles it is that we learn that lesson two-thirds of the way through, and then the last third is, what are we doing now? I feel like everybody's learned what they had to learn. We want to get <laughs> and, it, and it happened way too fast, and it was just, oh, okay, I guess we're cool with this. Yeah, it felt as forced as it was. And I think, or or just kind of wonder whether their story was forced because they were forced to implement all this other 2026 stuff into their show. That might be true because this you episode I mean? feels like a patchwork abomination of trying yeah. to tie together loose ends. Like this is everything. definitely a writer's room episode. Yeah. We need to get our story arc in... Shakina, you can have episode 10, but we need to at least cover these things. So fit them in. And then, but I have this grand story about a non-binary character in the no, no, no. 1950s. Wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah, That's yeah, what they yeah, say. yeah, yeah. We get that, but also we need to uh, tackle this quantum chip. And they only gave us three more episodes. So if you could get that in there, that'd be great. <laughs> just picture Lumberg up there. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to need you to... <laughs> Go ahead and shove that quantum chip storyline right into the middle of your uh, heartwarming non-binary character story. Um, I'm going to need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's, so it, that does it no they, service They either. may have, yeah, they may have just gotten the short end of the stick, but you had that huge opportunity with the Let Them Play to talk about trans characters. Now we want to do non-binary characters. And maybe it's about, you know, even allies, sometimes those things can get a little muddy. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of people that are like, didn't we already cover this when... Trans characters are not the same as non-binary characters. It's it's different. Right. You know, it's a whole other topic, even if it is tangentially related or tends to get lumped in. And maybe that was the idea is to... It's not but, all the same. You know, right. it's not all the same. And like, maybe that's what Shakina's trying to put out there. But it doesn't work for an episode of and television. I, again, I really like the performer playing Dean. 
I think that character was cool. I got it early on. I saw what was happening here, and I was really in for it. And, and just, it's just that that yeah. scene just stands out like such a sore thumb in this episode, and it's just completely inorganic. It's And just... it feels like preaching, which is the last thing that you want to do. And again, I don't know that Shakina's trying to be preachy, but when you have to boil your story down into exposition, that's what it is. Yeah. Preaching. Yeah, like who... Like we have with Ian yeah. on the regular. Who is the viewer's avatar in Quantum Leap? Ben. It's Ben, right? Does Ben have an awareness of LGBTQ characters or people? He does. Right. He's coming into this. He understands. And that's why I say he should have been the one to go to Dean and talk about it. Because mm -hmm. he recognizes it. We recognize it. We all recognize it together. And then that conversation can happen so much more organically that For way. Sure. And yeah. we can get the same messaging in a much more smooth way. Perhaps while we're all walking to that church instead of just standing here, we could keep the narrative moving and keep it about the same thing while we're also discovering that, oh, maybe a key component is this is not just us all reconciling with each other. It's about us becoming comfortable with who we are as individuals. Sure. Which is the yeah. point there. And if that's what you're going to do, make that your story. Yeah. I feel like the good segue here is as beautifully as Ben explains the non-binary experience to these sisters in the 1950s, Ian, among all of the other things they have to deal with in this episode, has the time to patiently wait and listen to his explanation and think about how beautiful it is that they're best friends and he's able to impart this information. That's a good scene that could be in that episode we're talking about, but in this episode, where everything is coming to a head for Ian, why, Ian why have... did they have time to stand there and watch? Right. Like it's, aren't you Again, a little it's... more concerned about the bad guy? It just reinforces the idea that this scene is preaching to us, the audience. Because Ian comes in and basically looks at the audience and says, wow, wasn't that good? Like... <laughs> <laughs> so... We're talking about there are a number of things that happened in this episode that could have prompted Ben to leap, right? I uh -huh. was just floored after the whole Addison Tom breaking it off near the end of the episode. We cut back to the leap, and Ben's back in Texas? The fuck is this guy leaping? Yeah, like, right. He made it all the way back to Texas now, and he's not leaping yet what is going on i was right. not angry i was just like what is this episode doing and then of course two things yeah one is that <laughs> ben is trying to back to the future hannah yep he's trying to write a letter that tells hannah about josh's ailment now he's writing this letter in 1953 with the intention of having sarah mail it after may 1st of 1970 which was the date from the previous leap but she doesn't need to do that. Just give it to Western Union. Who the hell are you? Western Union. So we've had that envelope in our possession for the past 70 years. Right, and they'll hold it. Just give it to Joe Flaherty at Western Union. <laughs> He'll hold on to it for you. That's a great scene. Uh, but I was really interested by the links this show is going to to preserve the linear story. Ben's yeah. like, hold on to this letter for the next 17 years. Don't mail it until then because that was the last time I was there. And it has to arrive after I left. But whatever, that's fine. 
I'll be interested to see what happens with that letter. If anything, nothing's going to happen with it. The big twist. Why hasn't Ben leaped yet? He finally figures out the last clue of the treasure hunt, that the real treasure is at home with family. Oh, that was just Dad being cheeky again, because behind the family portrait in the wall is a hole filled with diamonds. Yeah. And they get the treasure after all. (laughs) And Nate, I'll tell you what, I really did like that part. Really? I did like that they ended up with the treasure after all was said and done. Yeah, okay, okay. But when Ben leaps just after that, God, fate, or time just wanted this family to be rich. <laughs> just, they just need money. Just needed that money, needed those jewels. Well, she's got you six know, like, kids oh, to now, feed Sarah. Uh, now so. that you're rich, I can leap. Not the whole non-binary scene. Not the whole family coming together scene. Not the surviving in Mexico. No. I'm rich. I'm going to be rich. I'm rich, bitch. I did note here that, so dad hid the treasure behind the family portrait in the house, and then he made them go on that whole escapade where they were goddamn held at gunpoint. (laughs) Like, it was here the whole time? Just give us the money. Frankly, I think it was a combination of all of those things. For sure. Quote, unquote, why Ben was there. I think the craziest thing, and we touched on it already, but that booby trap that's supposed to let the... Like, I don't understand how that works. It looked very cool. When they pull the box out, there's those gears underneath, and I am a sucker for gears. I'm a sucker for cool <laughs> I'm gears. I'm a sucker for gears. Yeah, but, no, um, like Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't discussed the quantum chip plot line. We've said that we're glad that that hasn't been brought up. We knew it was coming. We all knew they were going to return to that storyline. And what Rachel, Rachel calls early in the episode and says that her boss has found out that there's a mole in there. And if he finds out that it's her, her career is over. And Ian's stressing out about that. The episode end, Ben leaps and Rachel shows up at the project. Now, we've seen Rachel at Project Quantum Leap before. So, okay, I guess you just came in. But she says he's here now. Her boss has come into the project. Because he just can. Yeah, he's walking in. Is this a military institution or not? Do you need clearance to get in? Like, you have to get scanned. You have to show a... you, You have to... Is it just that Elon Musk can basically walk anywhere he wants? I guess this guy... Or... This dude... We see him walking across the floor. He's got those uh, chucks on. Typical tech yes. bro dude. He's got curly hair. He is played by James Frain, who uh, I remember well as Paul Rains from season two of 24. Right. But he's been in a whole host of things over the years. He's another one of those faces that you recognize. So I'm not going to say it's bad casting. I am going to say I fucking hate this guy <laughs> already. Gideon Rich. Gideon... It, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Isn't his name Gideon Ridge? Is it Ridge? Is it Ridge? Rich is a little bit on the nose, right? Like, <laughs> it's, his name cannot be Rich. Maybe. Maybe it's Gideon Ridge. Gideon Ridge, also kind of a squirrely name, because it sounds like a location, not a not a person. And so, But Gideon... Gideon is... Gideon in and of itself is on the nose. Gideon Ridge in his menacing tennis shoes? Yeah, right. <laughs> what is this? Now, we theorized last week that... The employer, the mysterious employer that's been mysterious all year because it's mysterious to the audience. Oh, because it's going to be Jeffrey. 
Right. And there'll be a reason that we couldn't know who this is. No, just a guy we don't know. You know? Right? Well, (laughs) I wonder, because Gideon is revealed immediately after we see Ben handing that letter to... Jeffrey renamed himself? Look, I'm saying Gideon Ridge sounds like a place, not a person. (laughs) (laughs) And if Jeffrey changed his name, or if this is somehow connected to the Hannah storyline, I believe Gideon is connected to the Hannah storyline. It has to be, right? Right? And what we're seeing in the progression of that storyline is impacted by what Ben is doing to the timeline as he leaps this season. The extent of that, do I think Jeffrey is Gideon? No, I don't. Not anymore. I doubt it. Still possible, but I doubt it. And the reason I say that is because how do you go from that hair to that hair? (laughs) (laughs) Captain Kirk did it. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, and I don't care enough to think about it until next week. Frankly, I was just I so put I care off. enough because it really makes me angry. I was so put off by the end of this episode. You know, he comes in, Gideon just starts looking around. Oh, hey, Jen. Oh, Ian. Well, you know, all this menacing kind of attitude. Look at this place. This is something. How did you get in here? I'm just like constantly. And I put here, hate, hate, hate this. Jen sucks. Yeah. You know what, though? I feel like I can conclusively say at this point that this isn't Nanrisa Lee, it's the writers. That is the reason I think Jen sucks. There is no reason for Jen yeah. to have just let him walk through the door. Like, there's no reason to do that. The whole time, I just kept thinking, Jen, you're the head of security. Going all the way back to... This guy's this... a bitch in some Chuck Taylors. Clock the fucker. <laughs> yeah, like, or call some of your armed guards or security to come escort him out or something. Regardless, even all the way back at the start of this episode when it's sort of unraveling the quantum chip thing and they're in the, you have to tell magic. It's gone too long, Ian. You've got to tell magic. You fucking tell magic. You're the goddamn head of security. (laughs) Right. Like you've been letting this shit happen right under your nose the whole time. This is your responsibility. What? What would you say you do here? Taking care of this is your responsibility. (laughs) Head of security. Yes. Like, you should be arresting Ian. Yeah, you should. That's what it boils down to. At the end of the day, she's a conspirator against her own position. Yes. What are they doing? Why would you do this to Jen? Would be my question to the writers. Like, why are you... And my question is, the rest of the audience not picking up on this? I don't know. Are we the only people that are noticing? Are just this mad about it? (laughs) Maybe. So she's caught up in a conspiracy that she is at fault for, compounded by the fact that she just lets a stranger walk into her military compound and just walk around like he's in charge. What? Like, I don't... I don't even get it. I can see him like locking Rachel up or, you know, at his place of business when they discover her. What is he doing here? Yeah. He doesn't have any jurisdiction here. He's got money and he's scary. <laughs> he's not, he's, though. He's scary bad guy. He's, he's, with he's, his he's scary in that sort of. He's like the kind of guy that posts on social media about being an alpha male. Like his profile actually says alpha <laughs> male underneath it. 
It's like, dude, if you have to tell people, you're definitely not one. Right, so what I did was I went over to the uh, Quantum Leap subreddit to see if anybody there is making note of this. And post from earlier today, anyone else feel like they have no security? Yeah. And there are 49 comments under that. So I'm looking forward to digging in that and seeing how people okay. are taking this. But we're clearly not the only ones who have picked up on the fact that Jen should be fired. Yeah. At the very least, Jen should be fired. Yeah, or court-martialed. And I'm starting to feel really bad about it because I just think that writers, you've got to do something different with this character. Either she's the she head doesn't... of security or she's not. But right now, she's just completely ineffective. The latter half of this season, she's really done nothing but lean on tables. Every time she walks into the scene, she leans on a table and says something snarky. It's fine. If that's who this character is, that's fine. Yeah, but then it'd be sort of like, what is it you'd say that you do, do here? here? <laughs> but I almost think that would be more interesting than what we currently are given. It'd be funnier if there's just this character of the team that doesn't seem like a scientist and yeah. doesn't really seem to know much about anything that we're doing here. Was the hologram once and gave really terrible advice. And it's dreadful. Like that almost and seems that, like it would be a better option than what we're being left with here. I just think it's a like, disservice <laughs> to the whole enterprise. Kind of the last thing I'll say on this, but Gideon Ridge, Gideon Rich, whatever his name is, you knew this guy's name the whole time. What is the reason for not using the name Gideon early on in the season? Is he like Voldemort? <laughs> like, like, why do you keep saying say my it? employer my employer, your employer, you knew his name. They were workshopping it. The writer's room was like, we don't know his name yet. We got to come up with a real good name. But, and I'm like, but, Gideon Ridge is what you landed on. You know, on. there's so much subterfuge around it for it to just be a guy that walks in. It's, it feels very season one. It's like, what do you do? Like, this is your reveal. This is not a reveal. It's just a, no. like, what's the big secret? It all started to make sense when we thought, oh, well, it's Jeffrey, and they'll reveal that all at once, but it's just Gideon. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you say Gideon? Yeah, I I don't know. Now, we, don't we still have understand it. three hours of show left this season. God, is, is Hannah going to be back next episode? Well. Can we at least have Hannah back? What I do know about the next episode is that Ben is going to be in the 1980s. Okay. So that makes That's me feel the like next decade. we're moving on up. Ben is going to be playing a reporter. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. So okay. that sounds interesting to me. It looks like a pretty intense episode. This week was one of those sort of playful episodes, which is another reason that the Gideon thing just lands with a thud at the end, because yeah. I'm not taking anything seriously. And then yeah. you want me to take this very seriously. And the messaging very seriously. Right. Yeah, man. Like, like a this real is... mixed bag. I know earlier in just this podcast, we were saying that we were liking it a little more. And now I've come back around. I really think that that last scene left such a bad taste in my mouth that I really didn't like this episode. And it could be traced back to just that last scene. Yeah, I, I mean. so bad. There were problems I had before we even got there. And then the last scene was just like, oh, God, this fucking episode. And by the time we got to that last scene, I was pretty convinced this is my least favorite episode of the season. And I think it might be still my least favorite episode of the season. Because at least the leap 
in the second episode of the season was narratively sound. Yeah. And that's not something I can say about the leap story in this episode. There were narrative issues in it. So the leap story in this episode had the potential to be far more interesting. Oh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of potential just squandered in this. In service uh, to a B plot that, God, we just don't care about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I hope that next week I'm sitting here kind of eating my words, but. Yes. It's like the worst reveal. You know what he reminded me of is because I don't know him as well from all these other shows that he's been on. Like, it's kind of like the. <laughs> this is a much worse comparison, but the Lex <laughs> Luthor from the Dean Kane Superman show. Oh my god, John Shea, who played him on there. You know what I was thinking? It's very similar to that. Just kind of walk around the room menacingly and. I think they think. <laughs> They've I'm surprised got, you know who that is. Uh, yeah, I think they think they've got the John Shea Lex Luthor, but what they actually have is the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor. <laughs> and if I come back next week and Gideon is trying to force feed somebody a Jolly Rancher, I may have to pause the show and come back the next day. <laughs> like what? Like annoying I'm... tech bro is not a villain I'm ever going to take seriously. When we pick this back up, what do we expect to pick back up? It's not like our heroes are going to be in handcuffs or when Magic walks in the room, what's he going to do? Probably punch him in the face, I hope. Get him out of here. Or have him order the soldiers that are undoubtedly in the compound to escort him and his associates out. And then fire the just... people who need to be fired. Like Jen. <laughs> and then continue on and with your And Ian. Yeah. As soon as they find out why he's there... Uh, it defies man. logic. I mean, yes, I'm sure that we're going to pick this up next week and we will get something akin to answers that we may not like, but we will get more. I feel like it's on the cusp of ruining a storyline that I really do like, this love story. Yes. That's it's really on the cusp of stepping all over it. That's maybe yeah. the thing that made me the most concerned about it. It felt like such a colossal step back into the morass of season one. Yeah. When this season has been, on the whole, so much stronger than that. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that to this just silly, silly nonsense. Yeah. I don't need there to be a nefarious, overarching villain on Quantum Leap. No. You know? I don't no. need that. Nobody needs that. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Shekinah. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens next time. Next time. Next time, Gadget. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be holding my breath going into it. That is for sure. Addison not over Ben after all. And maybe Ben not over Addison. It gives her a lot of looks, says some things to her. It's like that time yeah. when they talked about catching up on all the movies. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I know we're wrapping it up here, but also, are they now trying to sell us on that? love story again that's that's the other frustrating thing i was like i'm not there none of us are there right now <laughs> i thought you worked so hard to gracefully break them up and it worked and get to the point where <laughs> we're okay with them not being together and still liking them both you like you didn't them, make either of them a villain you gave them each a partner that we all thought was better suited for them <laughs> and now we're supposed to yeah 
Two weeks, folks. We got two more weeks episodes left. Let's see where they take us. Uh, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode of our show. Be sure to review and tell all your Quantum Leap loving buddies about it. We're also available on YouTube in an audio format, and you can like, comment, and subscribe there as well. You can send us emails at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. Send me suggestions of good movies with car chases. Ronin. You ever seen Ronin? Put it in the email box, please. Okay. Speaking of letters, don't forget, send a letter to uh, NBC Viewer Relations at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York, New York, 10112. Let them know you want Quantum Leap to continue. Don't threaten them. This is all about support. So don't try to waltz into 30 Rock, metaphorically, with a letter like your Gideon Ridge wearing Converse's strutting into Project Quantum oh, Leap. brother. But do send a letter and try to help save the show and sure a season three. Uh, find us on social media. I'm Captain Burns, C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N on Blue Sky and uh, Brian.Lee.Martin on Instagram and Threads. And I am at Action Nate on both Blue Sky and Threads. And uh, folks, again, thank you for listening to this long-winded rant. <laughs> Let us know if you felt the same way. Yes. Uh, my name is Brian. And I'm Nate. And we will be here in the waiting room. <laughs>